church where Jesus Christ is the central focus. So grateful to come together one more time to be able to worship the Lord, allow the Word of God to just be imparted in our heart, to allow the Spirit of the Lord to continue transforming our minds and transforming our lives. So grateful that you can join us this evening, so grateful that we can come together, being on one accord, assembled under the banner of Jesus Christ. We're grateful and we're thankful for that. God has been good to us. And no matter what is going on in our world, if you are an individual who know who Jesus Christ really is, and you have surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been born again of the Word and of the Spirit, and you're endeavoring to live a holy and righteous life, then God has been good. And so we're grateful to the Lord. Um, he is just so kind to us. He loves us so much. And um, we thank God. Um, we're going to continue our series tonight. We started last week on pleasing the Lord. And so we'll get into that in a second. Uh, but I would like for you to join me in prayer tonight. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer, as we always do. Uh, prayer always precedes uh, whatever we do. And so I ask that you join with me and just uh, we begin to talk to the Lord and um, seek his will tonight and make our petitions known unto him. I want to make mention of this. Um, we've been praying for a lady by the name of Monica. Um, we got word that Monica, um, she contracted the COVID virus and she was in the hospital on ventilator. Bottom line, um, need for the Lord to touch her body and heal her. And so I want you to join with me tonight and pray for Monica that God will touch her body and heal her miraculously. I want you to continue to pray for the names that we uh, we list oftentimes on our prayer list. Um, Brother Chuby. Um, and, and I talked to Brother Chuby the other day. Please keep him in your prayer. Um, he's battling. And um, Brother Chuby um, is not in physical, um, at his physical best. And um, he's struggling with vision, and he's struggling with um, just his strength in his body. So pray for him that God will touch his vision and make it clear and allow him to be able to see and that, that God will touch his body, that he will have the strength to walk strongly um, and that God will just continue to use him. Um, we're looking forward to going back into our building and and it doesn't look like Brother Chuby immediately will be able to step in and continue to do what he used to do unless God does a miracle. So let's pray for him um, that God will do a miracle in his life and strengthen him and open his eyes that he can see clearly. Um, Winston Hilton, uh, we've been praying for him that God will touch his body, that he will experience physical healing, physical healing as well as God will touch him spiritually. And that he will experience salvation. So those are just some names that I just wanted to mention to you as we've been mentioning those names in prayer. And we want to see the Lord touch them and heal them 
in a miraculous way. The other thing that I want to mention before we go into prayer is that we will pray for the body of Christ. That we will pray for the body of Christ. Um, just what we're experiencing with the COVID-19 um, and all the challenges of um, recognizing how we're separated um, by by groups and 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 this the disunity that is is so prevalent across our nation and around our world. And I believe some people are spiritually weak at this moment. And when you're spiritually weak, uh, it means you're not strong enough to stand on the word of God, to, 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 to live for God with passion and with compassion. And so we need to pray for the body of Christ that we will be strengthened, that we will be refreshed, and that we will not compromise in this hour. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is the hope of the world, but his church, you and I, who have been called into the church, that have responded to the calling in obedience and faith, we are his, his body, and he uses us to reach this world. And we, we don't need to be in a compromising position. We need to be who we are, which is the church of the living God, the children of God. And we need to be strong in this hour, and we need to be... Uh, the, the people who God called us to be so we can really and truly affect our world for Jesus Christ. Uh, I just was thinking before we um, came together here for Bible study tonight that the Bible is our instruction manual for spiritual life and for earthly life. The Bible is our instruction manual for physical life here on earth and for our spiritual life. And we should never deviate from the Bible when we're looking to know what we should do. And anything that we do as Christians, as Christians, outside of what the Bible teaches, then we're no longer using the Bible as our instruction manual as a child of God. So stay in the Word. Keep your head in the Word of God. Keep your mind on Jesus. Allow Him to be the the, the center of your life, because in this day, in this age, uh, we can easily be pulled away from what we believe if we are weakened or we begin to listen to things that are not of God. So think about those things as you go before the Lord in prayer tonight, and let's pray together and ask God to help us and ask him to show us, open our eyes tonight in the word of God and that we will be better off after Bible study tonight than when we first came into Bible study. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, tonight we love you. We honor you. We praise you. Oh God, we lift up your holy and miraculous name. The name that's above every name. The name of Jesus. Our saving name. Our delivering name. The name that gives life. Oh my God. Oh how we love that name. The miraculous name. The name that is heavenly. The name that's above every name. Oh, how we adore that name. The name of Jesus. And God, tonight we are just so grateful, so thankful to come together as the body of Christ. To partake of the word tonight. To worship you in spirit and in truth. To encourage each other, Lord God. 
and to receive our instructions for spiritual and temporal life. Oh, my God, have your way tonight, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for Monica tonight that, Lord, by the power from on high, by your healing virtue, Lord God, you will touch Monica's body and that you will heal her miraculously, that by your stripe she will receive healing and that virus, sickness, disease will be eradicated out of her body and that she will be made whole because we prayed, we touched and agreed, and God, you granted, oh God, the petition we've made unto you. By your stripe, Lord God, will you heal Monica in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Almighty God, that you will continue to do a work in Chuby's life, Lord God. We know that you have stepped in and prevented, oh God, worse things that could have happened to him in his body. But Lord, we're still asking, we're still praying and petitioning, Lord God, that you'll touch his eyesight and that, Lord God, by your stripe, he will begin to see clearly. Oh, my God, and that you will touch his body and give him strength, that he's able to move about with strength, Lord God. I pray for healing from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, that miraculously, Lord God, he will be made whole, and that the power of God will overshadow him. Lord, he served you. He want to continue to serve you. Will you move on him in a special way, that he will be healed, be whole, and be strengthened, Lord God. I thank you in the name of Jesus. We pray, oh God, for Winston Hilton tonight, Lord God, that, oh my God, you will visit him, that, that God, the power of the Lord, will move upon him in a powerful and miraculous way, Lord God, and that whatever have him bound, Lord God, that you'll set him free. Oh, that you'll break every invisible chain that have him bound, every circumstance, Lord God, that binds him. I command it in the name of Jesus Christ to set him free. In the name of Jesus, and I pray, Almighty God, that by your stripe he will be healed, and that by the power of God, God, he will be overshadowed, and Lord, that he will come to a place of knowing who you are through your revelation, and that he will repent of his sins and be baptized in your name, be filled with your spirit, and live a holy and righteous life, Lord. Will you bless him and bless his home, his family, Lord God? Will you keep them, bind them together, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ? I pray tonight, Lord God, for the body of Christ. That, Lord, you will strengthen us, that we will not be weary in our well-doing, that we will not allow ourselves in this hour, Lord God, to be drawn away by any form of lust, by any deception, Lord God. But, Lord, that the power of the Lord will refresh us, the Spirit of God will refresh us, renew us, revive us, Almighty God, empower us, that we can walk by faith and not by sight, that we will be steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, Lord God, and always abounding in the word of the Lord. I pray tonight uh, that, Lord God, there will be a move of your spirit upon your body, that your body will be strengthened, Lord God. Your body, oh, Father, will do what you uh, have designed and ordained for it to do. Uh, we are your body, the church of the living God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you do what you want, Lord. We humble ourselves. Uh, hey, we submit to you, Lord God, asking uh, that you do whatever you please in us uh, and through 
through us, Lord. Use us uh, as you wish, as you desire. For God, we understand that you've called us uh, to the kingdom for such a time as this. Uh, I pray that the gifts of the Spirit uh, will operate in our life and that, God, uh, you will open our eyes to see what we should and must do in this hour, Lord. Will you use us, Lord? I pray that our impact and our effectiveness in this earth, Lord God, will be like it's never been. And Lord, that you will move through us, Lord God. We look to you tonight to speak to us in your word, to speak to us by your spirit, to do the miraculous, to do exceeding and abundant above whatever we can ask or think. Will you give us an encounter spiritually with you tonight? And Lord, we will be profited from being together and hearing the word of God. Will you allow your spirit to move upon your people wherever we are tonight as we've come together, whatever living room, whatever basement, whatever kitchen, whatever dining room, whatever bedroom, wherever we are in our cars, in our job, wherever we are, will you speak to us and will you move on us in a miraculous way by your spirit, Lord. We thank you for every person that has tuned in tonight, touched their hearing, and they will hear what the spirit is saying unto them, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, we thank you. We adore you and we honor you tonight. Will you hear our plea? Will you hear our cry? And will you let it be so? Bless our families and strengthen our families. Let there be unity and togetherness in our homes, Lord God. Let righteousness, peace, and joy fill our homes. Oh God, I pray that relationships, marriages, Lord God, will get stronger than ever before and that the Spirit of God will be in the midst of every relationship, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We give you honor and praise and we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Can somebody clap their hands and say in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Blessed be his holy name. Jesus is so kind and so wonderful. We celebrate and honor you, Lord God. You are our king. You are the Lord most high. And it is you that we worship. We bow down and adore tonight, Lord God. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for praying with us tonight. Amen. God is good. I feel his presence. Amen. Get your Bibles, if you will, or your device that you use for scripture. And I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. And we will start in verse 18 and we'll read verse 18 and verse 19. Again, we are... In the second lesson of our series, Pleasing the Lord, last week we started this series and we go on this week to the second lesson. Again, thank you for joining us. We're so thankful, so grateful that God has brought us together and allow us to be part of his great family. And uh, we thank God for that. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 I might not need my glasses tonight. (laughs) Verse 18, the word of the Lord says in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. 
verse 19 says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. I want you to pay close attention to that word, a just man. Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. I'm going to talk to you tonight on the second lesson of our series, Pleasing the Lord. I'm going to talk to you on this second lesson here, to do justly, to do justly. As disciples of Christ, we must choose to do justly. Or I can take it a step further and say, we must be a people that are just. As Christians, we must be a people that is just. In the first century, a Jewish marriage had several stages. First, there was a betrothal stage. To establish a betrothal, a prospective groom would prepare a marriage contract to present to the woman he desired to be his bride. Not only was this contract presented to the potential bride, but it was also presented to her father. The contract included an amount the man was willing to pay as compensation for the young lady's parents for their expense in having raised her. The amount the groom was willing to pay was also an indication of the quality of love he felt toward the young woman. Interesting. The young woman had the right to accept or reject his proposal. If she accepted, the two were often in covenant together. The future groom would give the young lady's father the agreed price and it would become official. The man and woman were betrothed to be married. Before he left her home, the young man would announce his intention to build a home for his bride. The groom would go back to his home, usually his father's house, and build an addition to his father's house. This addition to the family's home was something of a honeymoon suite. It was the place the bride and the groom would live during their early part of their marriage. I pause there just to say to you, think about it if that's the way we were doing marriage today if our divorce rate would be at 50% or wherever the percentage the percentages are today just think about that if that that is the process to be married how many people you think would be divorced today huh. each step of the way the groom was increasing his investment in the future marriage he paid her father then he built a room in which they were to live and the community was aware of the couple's betrothal. The length, the length of betrothal was often around one year. During this year, the couple would have 
no close contact. At most, the future groom might see his future bride from afar. Mm -hmm. Even then, his ex-spouse would be wearing a veil. A young woman wearing a veil was in covenant to be married. The compensation for her hand in marriage had already been paid. She had been bought with a price and her future husband was preparing for them to live together. I draw your attention again to what I'm saying to you that that should sound familiar to you because that process we're living out as Christians right now. That process speaks of Jesus Christ being the groom and the church being betrothed that one day the marriage would come together. The marriage ceremony will take place and the church and the almighty God, Jesus Christ, will be married. So right now, as, as part of the church, we are betrothed. We have been paid for. We are bought with a price. And all we're doing now is waiting for that day for the, for the groom to come and take us. And then we will forever be with our groom. And so we, the church of the living God, must realize the status that we're placed in when we become a part of the church, the body of Christ, to be thrown unto Jesus Christ. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. When everything was ready and the proper time had elapsed, the bridegroom would go to the home of his bride and take her to the place he had prepared. They were a married couple going forward with their life together. Hear me. Joseph had done all these things in pursuit of Mary and Mary. <laughs> Joseph had prepared a covenant. Uh-huh. Mary and her father had agreed to Joseph's covenant. Joseph had paid the agreed upon price for Mary. Joseph would have been busy building the place where he would eventually take his new bride. The young carpenter had made a significant investment in the journey toward marriage. Huh. Jesus Christ has made a significant investment in his church, in his people toward preparing for marriage. But the unexpected took place. Joseph and Mary's betrothed and marriage became unusual. Before Joseph and Mary came together in marriage, she was found with child, according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Being with child before marriage was not the norm in the first century uh, in Judaism. Mary had recently been on an extended journey to visit her cousin Elizabeth. People may have thought something inappropriate had happened during Mary's visit to Elizabeth's home. Joseph would have experienced the same dismay and frustration any other man would have felt. Think about that, brother. You went through all of that, and you're preparing for this great wedding ceremony to finally marry the woman you have betrothed, and all of a sudden she show up pregnant. Oh, my goodness. I know some of us what we would do. 
When Joseph learned of Mary's condition, he was not privy to God's plan to use Mary in a unique way. Now, that's very important to make note of tonight. When Joseph found out about Mary's situation that she was pregnant, he had not learned from the angel of the Lord as yet what was transpiring, that it was God using her. Think about that. That's very interesting. Later, an angel of the Lord would inform Joseph of the miracle taking place in Mary's life. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, the word of the Lord says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. But before he heard from the angel, Joseph was spoken, spoken of as being a just man. So the title or the characteristics of being a just man that Joseph was, that was even before he knew what was going on with Mary. That was even before the angel came and told him what was going on with Mary. So he was a just man before that encounter with the angel. And not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her away secretly. Joseph was denoted as a just man before a compelling encounter with an angel. Joseph being called just was not based on his behavior later when he took Mary as his wife, acting as though nothing had happened. Joseph, unique. He was very unique. And so it shouldn't be that way that he was unique because once we come to know who the Lord is and we start to understand who the Lord is and, and, and serve the Lord, we all should be just men and women and young people and children. Amen. And so Joseph was a just man before he even encountered the Lord. I'm here to tell somebody tonight, you don't have to get this real revelation or this deep, deep, deep encounter with God to be a just man. You just have to know whatever revelation God gives you of himself uh, through the preaching, through the teaching, through you reading your Bible, through him speaking to you. Whatever revelation God gives you of himself, you ought to hold on to that and by faith begin to respond to that. And you ought to get into the word of God. You ought to make sure you're tuned in in church, being, being, being attentive to the word of God. And you take it all in and begin to practice it so you can become what God wants you to be. We don't have to have this great big miraculous thing and, and a great big miraculous encounter with angels and, 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 and all these things in order for us to become a just individual. While I'm at it, let me say this. Church, I must tell you what's on my heart and it's really in my heart. We have to ask ourselves, every Bible study, every prayer meeting, Every, every, every Sunday morning worship, every time the church come together, whatever is talked about, whatever is preached about, 
Whatever God does, do we stop and take it all into our life and say, how do I make this become a part of my life? How do I live this out? How do I practice this? And I'm afraid, church, that we are at a place where we're more interested. We're probably not even paying attention how this is just how we're behaving, that we're just gathering the information. We're downloading information in our mind, and we're learning new things in the scripture. We're brighter to Today than we've ever been in the word of God but we're not doing anything with it I feel like back in the day they didn't have as much as we have they didn't know as much as we knew but what little they had they took it and they did everything they could with what little they had and yeah. back in the day they, they might not have been able to read like you can read they weren't educated like you're educated they didn't know the Greek and the Hebrew like you know but I'm telling you what little they had they did everything with it. What little they had, they practiced it. What little they had, they lived it out. And I'm concerned that today we're hearing all this great word. I'm afraid that today we understand what the history is of the scriptures and, and the Greek and the Hebrew and all that we need to know. But all we do is just have it in our mind and just keep it and we don't live it out. Church, I'm here to tell you, will you mark tonight as a night that you will say, I'm hearing the word of God. I'm listening to the word of God and I got to put action into it. I got to live this thing out. Whatever I'm seeing in the word of God, whatever I'm being taught in the word of God, whatever is being preached to me in the word of God, I'm going to live it out. It's going to show in my life. When I hear it, you will see it in my life. And Joseph was a just man. And I'm preaching to you tonight that we must be No big deal. It doesn't strike us uh, as to knowing that we need to do something. We hear the word of God and we're just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm talking to you tonight, somebody. I'm talking to you. Uh, when was the last time you heard the word of God preached uh, and you understood it uh, and you took that word and begin to live that word out? When was the last time that you lived out the word of God and not just took it into your mind? Lord, help us. Joseph was a just man without an encounter with God. What do you need to make you a just man? What, what has to happen for you to become a just woman? He didn't need the angelic host. He didn't need the angelic visitors to make him a just man. He understood what the word of God 
was calling him to do, and he did it. When Joseph learned that Mary was pregnant, he had several options. The couple was far enough along in the journey toward marriage that ending it would require a bill of divorce. <laughs> Improper sexual behavior by a betrothed woman was viewed as adultery. Mary's pregnancy was a serious matter with the potential for a painful consequence or consequences. Yes. Under Jewish law, the punishment for adultery was death by stoning. Death by stoning was also inflicted when the sexual misconduct was by someone betrothed to be married. In Mary's case, the punishment under the law of Moses would have been death in a public, painful, and humiliating way. That's what would have happened to Mary. However, Joseph had other options. He could have spread the story of Mary's unfaithfulness to, to, to other people. He could have demanded Mary's father refund the money that he paid for her. Uh, human nature being what it is, many people would have been happy to repeat the story of, of Mary's loss of virtue. Such gossip would have made it difficult, if not impossible, for Mary to be chosen by another man to ever be married again. A third option might have occurred to Joseph if a man had seduced or violated Joseph's bride-to-be under Mosaic law. The man who had done this was responsible to marry her. Those were things that were options that could have happened to Mary for what would seem to be something unrighteous that she had done. A fourth option for Joseph to divorce Mary. That was an option. When a divorce happened, it was normal to list the reason for the divorce. Witnesses were called to testify about the rationale for the divorce. Such a divorce was a public affair that gave the talebearers much to talk about for many, many days. A fifth option, the one chosen by Joseph, the just man. Come on, Joseph, help me. It was to put Mary away privately. In Matthew 19, Joseph, 119, Joseph was planning to divorce Mary without specifying the reason for ending their betrothal. Despite what Joseph certainly viewed as an immoral failure on Moses' part, on, 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 on Mary's part, he was not willing to shame Mary before the community. What a guy. He was a just man. In this decision, Joseph showed himself to be just. He was going to suffer loss at the very least. He would lose the time and effort he had put into building the place where they would live. Regardless, his loss did not propel him to become mean and vindictive. A person who enjoys shaming, degrading, or degrading others will do the same to you. Huh. You know, it's always strange. I don't like to listen to people bring people down. First of all, I just don't like it because I like to lift people up. So I'm just one that whenever I can lift someone up, whenever I can encourage someone, I want someone to feel better when they leave me than when they first came and saw me. That's, that's what a, a, a man of God, a woman of God should endeavor to do. When you encounter someone, they ought to leave you and feeling better about
about you, about themselves than when they encounter, than when they wasn't encountering you. And so I like to see people feeling good, doing good. I like to build people. I like to lift people. So when I hear people tearing people down, I get uncomfortable. I don't like it. But Joseph showed us, not just talk about it, but he showed us. We ought to stay away from people who tear people down and, and don't build people up because if you stay around and listen to them talk about others, oh, certainly they will talk about you one day when you're not around. Amen. Do not listen to unjust people snarkiness. Even when people have done wrong and they're down, don't come to me and tell me what their wrong is and they're down. I don't like that either. Because I know God is a loving, kind, forgiving God. And how do I look that somebody's down and I'm laughing, being snarky? I don't need to do that. I need to be praying for them. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you must listen because you're just in a situation where you, if you try to get out of it, it's going to have to be something extreme that you got to do to get out of the situation. And you are stuck and you have to listen. If you have to listen, then you listen and you never repeat what you heard. Never repeat it. Know that you say that, know that what you say to an unjust person will be repeated in a less than good light. Uh huh. You will be made to look like a fool. An unjust person, whether your friend or foe, will in time also treat you unjustly. So someone that, that, that talks badly about others, they're not just. They're unjust. And believe me, if they're unjust towards somebody else, one day they will be unjust toward you. But God is calling us tonight to be a just individual, just like Joseph was a just man. Imagine if Mary had been betrothed to a cruel, vindictive man, and the cruel man getting uh, his revenge. Mary would have died in disgrace. A pile of stone would have marked the end of her young life. Instead, Mary was exposed, was espoused, sorry, Mary was espoused to a man who was just. Joseph did not allow anger or disappointment to motivate him to sudden action. Huh. Church, don't let your emotions cause you to write things on social media that's going to put you in a bad light. As Christians, we should never say anything that will bring separation, that divides people. As Christians, we are supposed to bring people together. Not divide people. Joseph's emotions did not determine what he would do. We better be in control of our emotions and not let our emotions dictate our actions. Instead of adding weight to the unmarried pregnant woman's difficulty, Joseph made the decision. He would protect Mary from further defaming without their within their community. He was not going to make her look real bad in the community. He was a just man, and he would do his best to make sure Mary did not seem or did not be shamed or degraded. Joseph was being just. He was making the most gracious decision possible in a difficult situation. 
In time, the angel of the Lord gave Joseph more information. With the information provided by the angel, Joseph did not divorce Mary at all. Instead, Joseph married her. But they did not consummate the marriage until after Jesus was born. Joseph, being a just man, acted in a just way. Joseph was not a bully. He did not want to further harm the woman he wanted to marry. Those who do justly seem to try to make the best out of even the worst situation. When you are just, you can tell a just person when things are really bad and things are messed up, a just person will try to look for the, 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 the most positive thing in that situation. But when you're unjust, you just pile on. You just pile on. Their reactions to life situation are seldom knee-jerk responses. Joseph, being a just man, had planned to protect Mary from humiliation of public divorce. Joseph, being a just man, had planned to eliminate the need for public witnesses to Mary's pregnancy. Joseph, being a just man, had planned to keep her from punishment of public stoning. So Joseph was trying to do everything he could to make sure Mary wasn't viewed in a bad way and was protected from being stoned and be treated the way the law said she was supposed to be treated. The New Testament word for just has a similar definition to the Hebrew word translated the same. When you look at the word just, you will see it, it means to be equitable. It means to be even-handed. It means to be reasonable when you look at the word just. In our lesson, we talked about, in our lesson last week, we talked about Micah. That, that the time in which he prophesied and what the major themes of his writings were. Micah 6 includes nine questions intended to provoke thought. Micah attempted to give his audience a clear picture of what God really wanted of them. God's message was prompted because the people of Judah were serving God in public, but idolatry was consistently in the near background. Hmm. Look at Micah 6, verse 6, chapter 6, verse 6. We read it last week, but let's read it again. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself? Before the high God, shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Question mark. This is all question mark. This is what Micah is asking. He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee? Here it is. The Lord require of us to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord thy God. That's what God require of us, for us to do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with him. Micah's insight for Israel said God had shown them what was good and what was required. To do justly, 
to love mercy and to walk humbly with the Almighty God. In the King James Version, the, the Hebrew word translate justly in Micah 6 and 8 is translated into 32 different English words. Elsewhere in the Bible, the idea of doing justly was judicial verdict, whether the verdict was favorable or unfavorable. In formal Hebrew, doing justly was to communicate a formal degree responding to an act or a crime. In daily use, being just was to consistently be fair to others. Uh-huh. And so we have a lot of example in the Bible of being just, doing just. Uh, look, look at uh, Jeremiah 22 and 3. Thus saith the Lord, execute ye judgment and righteousness and deliver the spoil out of the hand of the oppressor and do no wrong. Do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, nor the widow, neither shed innocent blood in this place. The word translated judgment is the same word translated do justly in the book of Micah. Notice the practical instructions. Listen, God is calling us to do justly, to do as Joseph did. According to Jeremiah, doing justly was the response God wanted his people to make toward three classes of people. Anyone being threatened, hurt, or bullied. A stranger who was not familiar with Israel or um, with Israel's customs, orphans, or widows. Listen to me carefully. Though being just certainly has to do with being fair to other people. The admonition by Jeremiah took being just a step further. Listen to this. God's people were to actively raise to the support, to the assist, and defend those mistreated by others. To act justly always has to do with how we deal with other people. We cannot separate our dealings with other people from our relationship with God. We are not able to have a relationship upward toward God while at the same time being unjust toward our fellow man. That is very important. So when someone is treating someone uh, ungodly, when someone is oppressing someone, when someone is mistreating someone, it simply means they don't have an upward relationship with the Almighty God. It, it, it boggles my mind so often when I see we're getting frustrated with people in the way they treat others because we're saying you should know better. Church, I'm here to tell you, if someone is mistreating someone else, if someone is oppressing someone else, I don't care what comes out of their mouth. It simply means they don't have an upward relationship. They don't have a vertical relationship with the almighty God. And what our responsibility is, is to reach that person that's being oppressed, to reach that person that is being treated unfairly and shelter them and shield them. But we do that one-on-one. -on -one. That's how we do it. And then 
after we're done helping that person that is oppressed, then we need to go reach that one that was oppressing them because that one also don't know the almighty God. He doesn't have a vertical relationship with God. So our job is to reach the oppressor and our job is to reach the one who is being oppressed. That's who we are as Christians. We ought to look out and see who is inflicting oppression and go and try to help them to know Jesus. And we ought to see the one who is being oppressed and go and help them and give them what they need. But we also need to show them and point them towards Jesus. Somebody say amen. That's who we are as Christians. That's who we are as men and women of God. We are to reach people and direct them and point them to Jesus. We don't judge people. We don't take sides of people. What we do is reach out to people and love them and point them towards Jesus. Because if we mistreat one another, it means we have a deficiency in our vertical relationship with God. It's why we treat each other unfairly. The Lord our God says we must love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all of our strength. That's how we should love God. And then he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so that's the whole duty of man, to love God and to love man. That's the whole duty of mankind. And if we don't love God, we can't love each other. That's why it's important that we as Christians, we better make sure we're pointing everybody towards the healer. We're pointing everyone towards the Savior. We're pointing everyone to the one who died for them, the one who loved them, the one who shed his blood for them. We need to point everybody to Jesus. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Do justly. Do justly. We ought to do justly as Joseph did. I'm coming close to a close here. Unjust people are unfair. They never give another person the benefit of the doubt. Up until 50 years ago, meat, listen to this. Up until 50 years ago, meat and produce were weighed on what was called an open scale. Unscrupulous shopkeepers would easily short a customer by putting their finger on the scale of whatever was being weighed. To take advantage of another person is to be unjust. I need to say that again. To take advantage of another person is to be unjust. God resists unjust people. God rejects unjust people. And for us to take advantage of someone, God is not pleased with that. Somebody say amen. Amen. Those who are unjust will always make decisions for their own benefit. Some malicious soul or souls find satisfaction in bringing harm to other people. People with a sense of entitlement often act unjustly. Such people do not want life to be fair. They want life to give them an undeserved advantage. Entitled people will say, I'm not being mistreated, when in reality they are treating everyone else unfairly. They feel that whatever happens is always someone else's fault. 
When you are unjust, when you are entitled, when things happen, you blame it on everybody else. You never look into yourself because you are entitled. You think everything is good with you. But that makes you unjust. And God resists and rejects unjust people. And if we want to please God, we must be like Joseph and become a just individual. Huh, my God, help us. Unjust people are like the man with a beam in his eye and, 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 and will excuse their own behavior while condemning the other person. By contrast, just people seek to protect other people from humiliation. Just people do not gossip. They are not talebearers. Just people do not see themselves as the evaluators of the brethren. Instead, they are looking to excuse others. Micah says to do justly, show God's requirement about our treatment of other people. Not only making sure we do not harm others, but also raising to protect others. Listen, we got to become just. We got to start doing the work of God. Church, I got to tell you, there's a lot of people that is in the body of Christ that is not doing what God called you to the kingdom to do. We are dismissing people. We're disregarding people. We're not getting our hands dirty. We're not getting involved in people's life to make sure they are treated fairly. We're not getting in people's life to shelter them from how they're being treated. We just sit in our own little comfort zone. We just sit in our nice place of just how, you know, brag on how good God has been to us and how blessed we are. And we won't get involved in helping somebody. We won't get involved in reaching deep down and lift somebody else up. The only person we lifted up is ourselves. We got to open our eyes, church. We have to open our eyes and say, ask yourself the question, as long as you've been in church or as, 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 as short a time as you've been in church, whose life have you gotten involved in that don't know Jesus? Whose life are you impacting on a daily basis so they will see a just individual? Whose life are you really speaking into that they will know and come to know who Jesus is and one day give their life to Jesus? Because that's what Jesus has called all of us to the kingdom of God for. Not for us to just enjoy the blessings. Not for us to just enjoy and say how God, how good God is. The question is, what are you doing so somebody else can experience how good God is? I know God is good. You know God is good. But the question is, do your neighbor know that God is good? Do your cousin know that God is good? Do your co-worker know that God is good? It's not right, and we're not just if we don't make sure other people come to know who God is. Somebody needs to say, God, help me! Help me, Jesus. I close with this story. Listen to this story. What I'm talking to you tonight about is so Relevant for the time that we're in. But I'm trying to teach it to you the biblical way. Church, don't, don't, don't disregard what I'm saying if it go against what you emotionally feel. Don't disregard what I'm saying if it goes against what you're emotionally feeling. 
I respect what you're feeling emotionally. But what I'm trying to help you to know, to understand, and to do is what the Word of God says. How to live for God. That's what I'm trying to help you to do. I want you to know what your emotions are and say, I respect my emotions, but I can't allow my emotions to dictate my actions because my emotions is, is clouded by my experiences, how I was treated, what happened to me, what people told me, and all of those things that I experienced, and my emotions is working from that. But if it's not according to what the Word of God says, I can't respond to my emotions. I have to respond, and I have to do what the Word of God says do. I'm no different from you. I have emotions that I have internally that I have to deal with. But I deal with my emotionally, my emotions internally in prayer, meditation, and reading the word, and being in, in a quiet place with the Lord. And that's where I deal with them. So when I get out among people, it's the word of God that flows out of me. It's the characteristics of God that will flow out of me, not my emotions. Listen to this story. Henry and Al were the first two African-American children to become a part of an all-white school in the Deep South. The two youngsters experienced much injustice. Across America, schools had been segregated for many generations. The separation had been so complete that many children had never spoken to a child of another race or culture. In 1967, in an effort toward voluntary desegregation, the U.S. Department of Justice approved the freedom of choice, which allowed every family to choose the school where their children attended. However, not a single child changed school. But in 1968, the parents of Henry and Al chose to send their sons to a previously all-white school. Al was in the sixth grade and was a classmate of Charles. These two young boys had been placed in a hard situation. In the Deep South, in the late 60s, few, if any, fellow students wanted Henry and Al in their school. The same could be said of the teachers and the administrator, administration. Henry and Al showing up the first day of school completely surprised the student body. When the two boys arrived, other kids stood shocked in silence. The news quickly spread. Integration has arrived. When Charles got home from school that day, his mom had a message for him. Son, I know you now have black kids at school. Charles, let me tell you something. You are not going to be mean to those boys. You will not call them names. You are not going to mistreat them or anyone else. If you do, it will be rough on you. The lesson was taken to heart. 11-year-old Charles never did anything to harm Henry or Al. In the simplest sense of the word, he was just toward the boys. 
But was he really just in the sense the Lord desires? Henry and Al suffered much indignity that entire year. Racial slurs were the norm. And the sharp elbows to the gut on the basketball court were regular. Al was shunned in the locker room. No other boy had a locker anywhere near Al's. At each meal and at recess, these two adolescent boys sat alone. But their family was determined. Henry and Al stuck it out. They stayed throughout the 1968 school year, but they weren't back for 1969. It might be said that Charles did well. He didn't call Henry and Al names. He didn't tackle Al extra hard on the football field or throw elbows on the basketball court. He did well. But is that really the case? Is that what God desires of his people? <laughs> to do justly is not simply the absence of being unfair or unkind. Hear me, church. Or choosing not to treat others in an evil way. To do justly is to actively raise to the defense and the support of someone being bullied or taken advantage of. 11-year-old Al was certainly bullied and friendliness for the nine months of the school year. By God's definition of doing justly, Charles' behavior was lacking. <laughs> the mother's instruction, you are not going to be mean to those boys, was correct. It just did not go far enough. To do justly would have meant sitting beside the boys at lunch, engaging them in conversation, and befriending them when they were alone. I'm telling you, church, just standing on podiums and shouting nice words and shouting truth and facts, it's not good enough. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm okay with people standing on podiums and shouting that injustice is not right. I'm all for it. But I'm here to tell you, it's not enough. We have to get down off the podiums. We have to get down out of the pulpit. We have to get down out of our homes. We have to get into the streets. We have to get into the homes. We have to get into the communities. And we have to sit with people. We have to talk with people. We have to let them talk to us. Because if we're going to be just, and we're going to do just things uh, that God will be pleased. Uh, we got to get involved with people. We can't be so far away from them and shouting from the hill. They don't want our help from the top of the hill. They need our help uh, up close. They need us uh, to come down and sit where they sit. They need for us uh, to be right next to them and hurt when they hurt. They need us uh, to come next to them and shield them and 
raise them up and give them the necessary things they need so they can be treated fairly and equally. That's what God is expecting from his people. That's why he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Remember the scripture where it's taken from where God say, love your neighbor as yourself. It's taken from the text that talks about the good Samaritan and the religious people saw the man that he was mugged and, and beaten up in the street and the religious people walk by him. They, they had other things on their mind. And it was this Samaritan, one that was opposite this man. This man was a, was a Jew and the Samaritan, they, they, they were mixed. They didn't have no dealings with the Jew. And the Jewish people walked by the man that was in the street mugged and beaten up and robbed. And here comes somebody that didn't have anything in common with him, only but being a human. And he went and he took that man up off the ground he put him on his beast and he took him to the inn and guess what he took care of his cuts and bruises and fixed him up and stayed the night with him and in the morning when he left he went to the keeper of the inn and said here's some money you keep taking care of him and if you got to spend your own money when I come back I will repay you but keep taking care of him if we want to know what we need to do in this day and age oh we need to become just if we want to know what we need to do in this day and age. Oh, we need to get involved. We need to really be in a life of people and stop thinking that shouting from the podium and shouting from the pulpit is good enough. It is not good enough. We got to sit where they sit. We got to hurt like they hurt for us to really have impact in this world. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. We got to get love back into this and we got to reach the lost like we need to reach the laws. Doing justly is not a norm of modern society. To join an attack on social media happens far more often than lifting up a voice to defend. At times, teens have become social piranhas, nibbling at a pier until they drive their schoolmate to suicide. The margin of society are full of people being treated unkindly. Where are those who will do justly? Where are those who will raise to assist, to protect, and befriend those who cannot protect themselves? If you want to please God, you will do justly. To please God, do justly. Do not treat others with contempt or unfairness. Instead, become the defender of those who are being mistreated. Somebody say, I want to be just. When you are just... You please God. When you are just, you will have great impact on individuals. A lot of times we want to help a whole group. And the truth be told, it's easier to impact one person's life than to try to impact the whole community all at the same time. One person at a time. That's how we're going to impact the world. It took one man, his name Christ Jesus. 
One man that has impacted this world. For God so loved the world that he became man and came into this world. And guess what? He became the example. And as he became the example, he taught others, discipled others to be like him. And today we know the gospel message because one man and one man started with one man at a time. Church, we can do it. Don't you look at the task, how difficult it seems because so many people are lost and everywhere you turn, they're just lost. Just one person at a time, one individual that you got to show kindness and defend and love and protect and show them the love of God. Just one individual. And if you will do that, God will use you and that person's life that will be changed. They will also change somebody else's life. We just need to trust God one at a time. Just to do just. God will be pleased with us when we are just. But we, when we are unjust, God will not be pleased with us. Somebody say amen. amen. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of lesson two in our series, Pleasing God. I don't know. It's hard for me. To just be casual in this last hour that we're living in. My passion is raising every day. My, my, my desires to please the Lord is, 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 is at an all time high. Because I'm concerned that we have taken our eyes off the true and living God. We're not allowing Jesus to be at the center of our life. We are, we are swaying away or being enticed or being stri- just pulled away from the things that is our anchor. And I'm here to tell you, don't you compromise in this hour. You should be trying to, trying to draw nigh unto Christ, not away from Christ. And some of us have taken this opportunity to go easy and unfortunately this was the opportunity to go hard (laughs) but I hope you will hear this message and you will reevaluate and realize we got to go hard we can't go easy we must trust God the return of Jesus Christ is at hand and we must know that it's time to make sure we're ready and we help others get ready for the return of Jesus Christ I want to please God. I know you want to please God. If we're going to please God, we must be just. We don't need some special miraculous thing, event to take place for us to become just. We just have to live out the word of God. And in in, in living out the word of God, we will be just. Because the word of God is just. Our God is a just God. Oh, oh church, it's just, oh, help us, Lord. Father, we love you. Will you help us tonight, Lord, for the word has gone forth, Lord God. Lord, I pray that the word of God will begin to stir hearts and minds. That the word of God, Lord, will challenge, but the word of God will rest in our soul. And begin, Lord God, to move in us to the point where it will become a part of us. Lord, will you allow every person under the sound of my voice tonight, Lord God, to... Take this word, Lord God, 
and apply it to their life where they will live it out, Lord God, where they can look into their life tomorrow, look into their life the coming days and weeks and months and years and realize that on this very day when they heard the word of God, that they must be just to please you, that they began to obey your word, to be just. And now, Lord God, from this day forth, we will begin to be a just people, a people just like their God, just Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God, we thank you for the example of Joseph, Lord God. And now, Lord God, we ask that you will move in our life, that we will be just individuals, just like Joseph was. <laughs> God, help us, prepare us. Will you move on us? We allow us, Almighty God, to be strengthened by your word, by your spirit, and that our faith fail us not, that we will walk in holiness and righteousness. And by faith, stir us, Lord God, that we will take our eyes off ourselves and put our eyes on you, Lord God, that we will take our eyes off all that you have done for us and look to somebody who needs you, Lord God. Oh, Father, will you help us to not be religious? God, help us to not be religious, to not just do acts of what we've seen in the Bible, but our heart is far away from you, that we will praise you with our lips and say great things with our lips and and. And in our heart, we're far away from you. We don't have any intention of serving you, submitting to you, being just. God, work in our lives in a way where we will have to be reckoned with you, where we will have to examine ourselves, oh God, as you prepare us for the coming of the Lord, as you prepare us to truly be just and going out into our world, being sheep among wolves. Oh my God, I pray the strength of the Holy Ghost upon every one of us here tonight, Lord God, that we will go and be sheep among wolves because, Lord, we have you, Lord God, and nothing or no one can stop us or hurt us, for we have you, Lord God, for you said no one can pluck us out of your hand. And, oh, my God, I pray that there will be a change in our heart, a change in our life, that tonight's word, Lord God, will impact us to the place where we will not be the same again, that our eyes will open in a new, new day. Oh, God, help us that our eyes be open unto a new day of seeing things the way you have just spoken to us to see them. Lord, bless this church and the homes of those that have come together tonight. Bless their homes, Almighty God. Bless their relationships, Lord God. Help them to stay focused on you. Help them, Lord God, to trust you, Lord Jesus. Jesus, oh God, hear us from heaven, Lord God. Hear us from heaven, Lord. Lord, I thank you tonight. I give you the heart and the praise. Lord, I pray that somehow it will impact lives like never before. That we will be impacted by the power from on high. We will be impacted by the word of the Lord. We give you the honor and the praise for all these things we pray in Jesus' holy name. Church, I might seem a little intense these days. Understand my intensity is because I'm so passionate about our relationship that we ought to have with God. 
And if we have a sincere, true relationship with God where we're being obedient and being led of the spirit and being led of the word of God, we will be passionate about loving people. We will be passionate about connecting people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We will be passionate about people's health regarding their relationship with God. Help me help people get connected to Jesus. Help me reach people that they will come to know who Jesus is. And if you're a part of this service, a part of our church, look at your life and say, where am I? And whatever the next step is, we ought to take it. Take the next step in your life to please the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. I love you so much. Men, don't forget tomorrow night we have our men's meeting, 730 I believe Brother Tom has sent out the link. He'll send it out one more time tomorrow that you'll remember. And you will tune in tomorrow evening at 7.30. Wives, tell your husband, share the link so we can have a great time on our men's meeting tomorrow. Also, Saturday at 11 a.m., uh, we will have a district men's meeting. Brother Tom will send that out as well. And so join us for that if you can. Saturday evening at 6.30, you know we have our corporate prayer. And I'd love for you to join us again for corporate prayer Saturday at 6.30. And then Sunday morning at 10.30, our worship service. And don't forget Sunday school at 9.30 on Zoom. Be sure to get the link for that. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening. And we'll talk soon. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.